It's lovely to see you all this morning. I would like to ask for your forgiveness for sweating profusely on the stage this morning. I uh, don't know if you noticed that. If you didn't, I've now highlighted it, so that's even worse. Uh, but whatever, we'll move on. Um, right, there is going to be an opportunity, and I love that word opportunity. I'm always using it. I know that, but that's absolutely fine. But uh, an opportunity for worship later. And after communion, during communion, this space and time, which hopefully will give us that, that connection, that, uh, that chance to, to connect with God uh, in a way that is in direct response to what you hear this morning, but hopefully in direct response to the prompting of his Holy Spirit. And that's what we're, that's what we're really wanting this morning. You see that we're talking about praying for uh, forgiveness and repentance. Now, I'm always going on at my school as a teacher, whenever I get to do assemblies, about Jesus' two golden rules. And even if you don't do the first one, you can all do the second one, which only makes sense if you know those two golden rules. What are they? Thank you for that raptus round of indifference. Uh, we are going for the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is to say, everything. And love your neighbor as yourself. Nice and easy to remember those two. And Jesus himself, who knew a bit about what he was talking about, said, all of the law and the prophets is wrapped up in these. Get these two right. Good things are coming your way. Love God with everything you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. But how can we show love? And I think a massive aspect of how we show love in the world is through forgiveness. The Bible is quite clear on the matter. We forgive for the good of ourselves and for, good, for the good of the world around us. But there's another motivation here. Matthew 6.14 says, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Interesting. That's not easy. And you know what? The, the verses just before this are the Lord's Prayer, which we know, which we all know, and you know we're, we're taught, but we don't often have this caveat. We don't often see the asterisk against forgive us our sins, but first of all, you really need to be forgiving other people. And I believe it's a matter of the heart. Forgiving others gets us into a place of forgiveness for ourselves. We are often the last people that we think God can forgive. If we forgive others, it gets us into the right place. And this isn't just a one-off, you know, oh, maybe that was mistranslated. It's also elsewhere in the Bible. So Mark 11, 25 says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It's a biblical principle. 
But you know what? Forgiveness doesn't let them, the person who you're forgiving, off the hook. It's not about blessing someone by forgiving them. It's, it's for you. And it's for me. It's for the person doing the forgiving. Consider this. If one of you has wronged me, uh, not looking around the room at this point, in case anyone thinks that I'm making deliberate eye contact, I'm not. As far as I understand it, I have right relationship with everyone in the room. And if that's not your understanding, uh, then I apologize, and I would like your forgiveness, and we can talk about it. But that's why I'm, I'm happy to say, consider this. Imagine that one of you has really treated me badly. Okay, you've wronged me. You're bad-mouthing me behind my back. You're spreading lies about me. And I find out about it. And I confront you. And you're totally unrepentant. You don't care. You know, you were saying these things for a purpose. And me saying, why are you saying these things? It's really hurting me. And you go, to be honest, I don't like you. So that utterly doesn't sound like anyone here, um, but I've got two choices. I've got forgiveness and bitterness as my two choices. If I forgive you, does that let you off the hook? But you don't care. So my forgiveness of you doesn't change your life at all. But what does it do for me? Well, the alternative is to go around raging and steaming and to, to maybe get into the same, fall into the same trap and start spreading lies about you and, and you know, get some revenge in some, in some way. Or the forgiveness route, if I can go down that route, that benefits me. That benefits me. And I honestly believe that forgiveness is one of the primary mechanisms, one of the main ways in which God seeks to bless us, to make our lives more rich and more full. The release of bitterness can be explained in one simple but very frustrating task that I would like a willing volunteer for. The sort of volunteer who is not upset too easily um, and, and might be able to do something quite simple for me. Any, anyone brave enough to say, you know what, I'm, I've got no idea what's going on here, but I'm going to do it. Rosie! Oh, oh, Sarah, you were just pipped. <laughs> Rosie, well done. This does take guts. Now I'm going to put this one down and, uh, and go off mic. So take a seat. Rosie approaches this task with, uh, with oh, a deliberate and logical method uh, whereby she's using the entirety of the table, uh, ace through king. Uh, she's sorting the cards into two stacks. I'd have gone two rows. The table's not wide enough for two, but that's fine. She's gone all in one row and doing very well, burning through the pack, one might say. Half the pack done already. Taking her time about it, clear, methodical, Eight of clubs. I blame Chloe, uh, who sorted the, the deck into the suits. I love you. You're amazing. Uh, okay, there she goes. Uh, nearly sorted. We've got, I don't know if it's a complete deck. That might cause some issues. We've got uh, some gaps being filled in and nearly done. Uh, the spades are complete. Interesting. We're getting there. And nicely laid out so I can check, which is really good. 
and then the diamonds are now complete. That's fantastic. Let's give Rosie a brief round of applause. Now notice I didn't time this task because we're going to do it again. And you don't need the headphones for this one. Uh, we're going to do the task again, and we'll see how it goes this time. It uh, might be a slightly different atmosphere to the room during this one. Uh, but here we've got the, uh, the clubs and the hearts, okay? Same task. Feel free to take your time. Uh, Rosie, begin. Trying to think of the most annoying noise I could make. I think this is it. <laughs> Certainly a lot quicker this time. Get it over with! Make it stop! Ah! Oh, she's done. Done. Amazing. A, a lack of peace and tranquility makes you work harder. Uh, that's not the message I'm giving at all. Rosie, thanks very much. Take a seat. I think for everyone, Rosie included, the first experience was probably nicer. Um, I, why do we do this? Well, Unforgiveness can sometimes gnaw at us like the most annoying noise in the world. It, we can carry it around with us and it taints our relationships, our conversations with other people because there's this background noise that's, oh, that's just not good. Have you ever heard a washing machine that's on its dying, you know, in, on, its, on its last legs? It makes these terrible noises. It's not like the tumble dryer that's only doing towels. Oh, 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 that's a nice noise. That's comforting. And that's the soundtrack to my life, hopefully, rather than that grindy noise that you know that something is wrong. And unforgiveness affects us like that. Matthew 11.30 says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Philippians 4.7 says, The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I honestly believe that the process of us forgiving others releases this sort of thing in our lives. It releases that feeling that following Jesus is easy and light. Forgiving others releases the peace of God in our lives. Forgiveness, though, sometimes makes us feel like we're letting something slide that shouldn't be let slide that there's some injustice that needs rectifying. How could I possibly forgive that person? They'll only be getting away with it. Now, there's a principle of the, um, the end times judgment, the final judgment, we might call it, which allows us to let go of that. Romans 12:19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, you don't do that. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
interesting bit, that bit. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It is mine to avenge, and I will repay. God will ensure that justice is handed out in the end, in the final judgment. So we are free to forgive now, knowing that God's got it in control. But unfortunately, we know that God is a loving God, and he might go and forgive them anyway. Well, exactly. That's the point. That's what we hope for everyone, that when you get to a point of forgiveness, you want them to find God and have total and final forgiveness. That's the point. So it is my sincere hope that for all of us, we get to a point where we can forgive those who have wronged us most, hoping to see them in heaven. How did you get here? They might ask us. And that would be wonderful. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's hope that those people who have wronged us most actually get away with it because they find forgiveness in God. That is a difficult, a painful thing to do. I don't want to belittle your own experiences and who you might have to forgive because as soon as I talk about forgiving others, it's, it, there's a potential that, that names have come into your mind about those people who have wronged you most. I'm of the massively blessed position, I believe, of, of not having had that. I've had conflicts with people, but it's not that my life has been sheltered, but I don't, nothing comes to mind in terms of big grievances against me. Um, there's been some work stuff and things, but you know, generally fairly trivial. And that I found easy to forgive. And I hope that even with the big stuff, through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can find that possible to forgive as well. Ephesians 4:30 to 32 says, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now we've got a bit of a, a list later. I don't think we'll do the dramatic reading. Just for, uh, you, you want to. And we've got some audience participation we might do. Can we get the, uh, can we get the, uh, the cast up, please? Cast of thousands. Yeah. Hopefully, this, uh, this parable might be familiar to you, and we haven't paraphrased it so much as to be um, you know, unrecognizable. It's barely paraphrased at all. Um, also, some of the principles I'm talking about today are given in the Freedom in Christ course, um, and, uh, and they are, uh, it's well worth doing. It really is worth doing, going through that course, and, and especially the, the section on forgiveness. I know that some people uh, who are here amongst us have, have found that really releasing. Coming closer, uh, we have got a... I get to play the role of Peter in this. Gideon's Jesus. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant found out, when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that happened. The master called the servant in. In anger, his master turned him in over to the jailers until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Amazing. Thank you very much. I'll take that. Now, forgiving others, how do we do it? There's a, a bit of a process. Ah, oh, look at that. That's a wonderful painting of a servant being choked by someone else. Um, move on. Uh, there's, there's a bit of a, a process, and that, that slide, don't worry about being able to read it. I've got some mini handout copies that when we pray later, you might like to have this in front of you. There's an example prayer down the bottom as well, which if you are led to release someone to forgive them and open up the forgiveness um, of God in your own life, then you can go through this process. And there's 12 steps there. Not all of them are going to be applicable to everyone, but understanding the significance of what Jesus did on the cross, understanding that what he did is enough to pay for all sin. It's tempting sometimes to think, look, you don't, you don't know what that person's done. I can't forgive them. It's like, no, I don't, but I know that they can be forgiven. Jesus' death on the cross was once and for all sin. You can ask God for help in the process. I think that's really important. He can help you identify who you need to forgive, but also uh, to identify um, the, you know, help you with how to do it as well. And then there's some other things on there. Acknowledge the hurt and the hate means don't, you don't have to squash this. This isn't about controlling your emotions. It can be a very emotional process. But you acknowledge that. And saying things like, I choose to forgive Jeff for what he did to me at work. It made me feel ashamed, embarrassed. You know, these sorts of things, these, these, uh, being honest with God is part of the healing process. When it says, uh, the only other one I think I need to explain is um, decide that you won't use someone's sin against them, I think is a really key decision. If someone's done something bad to you and you say you've forgiven them, but then you go bad-mouthing them to other people or you're ruining their reputation, there's, you know, that, that needs to be released. Yes, there's something... Um, Something about prudence, where if someone's done something bad to a lot of people, then, then we know about that and we can share that and we can guard ourselves against that repeated behavior. Um, but you are not responsible for the demise of someone else. And that, I think, is part of the release that sees the world benefit.
So we're going to pray about this later during communion, during that final part of worship. Jules, let's hand over to you. So repentance then. I'm going to talk a bit about repentance just for five-ish, five to ten minutes maximum. So what is repentance? I think we've probably all heard of the word. Um, it's admitting we've done wrong, isn't it? And it's saying we're sorry, being sorry, not just saying it. When we repent and say sorry to God, we need to turn away from the things we know are wrong and surrender back to him, don't we? And God accepts our repentance and forgives us because Jesus has taken the punishment for our sins. Now, me and Chloe have got a game that we like playing on the computer. It's called Fireboy and Water Girl. And we go through, Fireboy can go through the fire and Water Girl can go through the water, but they can't do vice versa. Um, Together, you have to work out like the best routes through. You have to like press on levers and go through different walkways and things and work that out sort of strategically together. Um, so obviously, we fail quite often, um, but we keep trying those same scenarios and challenges over and over again until we conquer it and win. And that's the appeal, isn't it, in computer games that people have, that you can keep basically pressing the reset button and just try it again and again until you get it right. And I believe that we have that desire in our spirits as well to press the reset button on maybe decisions and mistakes that we've made in our lives. If only we could go back and not react in that way or say that thing that we said or do that thing that we did. And those of us who are already Christians know that we do have a reset button and his name is Jesus. Um, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard and that the wages of sin, the consequences of sinning is death. But it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. Well, why isn't that working? <laughs> the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So God, who is the creator of us, put that desire to be reset in our spirits for a clean start. And he provided a way for us to have that through Jesus our past mistakes sorted, and our future is redirected. So I'm going to do a practical demonstration now. You can see that I've got that here. This is something I've been doing at Gillingham School recently um, with the Year 7. So I just thought it was a really good, clear thing, um, especially if you've not heard this before. So we have... Uh, okay. Jesus came to take our punishment. Here is the sin of the world, murky and horrible. And here is us, you and me, as we were intended to be. Let's call Adam and Eve before anything happened, yeah? Clear and pure. However, we don't say it that way, do we? There's things we do, things we say. Could just be little things, speaking about somebody badly. A little white lie here and there just reacting badly or cheating on a test. Or it could be worse, it could be, well, seen as worse in our minds, adultery, murder, stealing, really bad things that can make us just not the same anymore, yeah? We're not going to be the same with those things in our lives. Look at that. But as we said, Jesus, who is pure and blameless, God provided this reset button by bringing Jesus into this world. And he said that he could take the punishment of the world. He could take this sin. So we're going to pour the sins of the world into Jesus. 
and see what happens. Oh, looks mucky. It's going clearer. So Jesus went into the grave. He died that death on a cross. And he stayed and he left the sin in the grave. And he rose back up victorious, completely pure and perfect, spotless, and everything that we need. Okay? You can see that it's getting clearer and clearer. We'll see that, Jesus. Clear. You, or me, with all our sin and all that's inside of us, we have the ability to say yes to Jesus as well. Because sin has been defeated once and for all by Jesus dying that death on the cross. We just need to ask him to come into our lives, to give us him, his presence. Now, if we pour him into us, we will see that we also become blameless, spotless, perfect in God's sight. Isn't that amazing? Jesus brings freedom from our past. He is that reset button. You couldn't have removed that by yourself. Okay, that's why Jesus had to die. So it starts from repentance from us. We say sorry. Then we thank God for sending Jesus. Then we thank God for sending Jesus to take our punishment. And then we say, please come into my life and be in charge. So sorry, thank you, please. It's the simplest prayer to pray, isn't it? But it could be the most life-changing one that you could ever say. I believe it is. There's always this massive party in heaven and rejoicing when someone prays that prayer and starts their new life with Jesus. That's why we call it being, becoming a born-again Christian. It's the start of a new, clean life that is free of sin and free of the guilt of sin too. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We become part of God's kingdom and family. And if there is anybody here who hasn't ever prayed that prayer and wants to pray that for the first time today, we'll have a chance to do that in a few minutes. So we know that Jesus has defeated sin, but unfortunately, sin itself is not dead. In fact, it's often extremely appealing and tempts us every day. And when we're Christians, we know that sin doesn't please God. And we don't want to do it, do we? It creates this barrier between us and God. It's like you're enjoying standing at the window with the sunshine on your face, that lovely warm feeling, and then you decide just to pull down the blind. There's this separation. You start to feel cold, and just spiritually, you're dead. Although we've pressed the reset button on our past, and we are now holy and blameless before God because of what Jesus did, we can still make bad choices that displease God. When we're true children of God, we show this by wanting to do what pleases God and confessing to him when we know we have been outside of his will for our lives. We need to pull that blind back up again. That is our repentance, isn't it? So we can feel that warmth and blessing again from God. And the way we do that is by confessing what we've done and repenting. It says in James 5:16, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I found this really interesting. I've, something I looked up and, um, as I was researching this, that we can either view our sin as a failure of our performance rather than a failure of our intimacy with God. 
And I thought this is a really key difference to think about. So if we view sin as a failure of our performance, we're probably thinking, oh, I know I shouldn't have done that. I'm a Christian. That's not good. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Instead of thinking and feeling, I'm absolutely gutted. I've sinned. I've caused this divide between me and the one I love. I've lost that intimacy. Yeah, there's a key difference between these two. Because when we truly get to know how amazing the Lord is, who he is to us, what he's done for us, get to know his character, then we'll be devastated, won't we? We'll be so upset when we don't follow his best in our lives because we've upset the one that we want to please the most. And the more we get to know his nature and his love towards us, the more upset we are when we sin. And we do. Thankfully, though, God's mercy has no limits towards us. He just desires to be close to us again. He will forgive us over and over and over again. We've heard about that earlier. But we know we shouldn't just continue to sin, okay? Just because we know we can keep coming back to God and receive his forgiveness. No. Because again, if we're truly in a relationship with God, we won't want to keep doing wrong. We won't want to keep breaking that relationship and causing a barrier. If it's not a genuine relationship, then it's probably not going to be a genuine act of repentance either. But God knows our hearts. So now really we're going to just spend some concentrated time with God to draw close to him again. We may need to repent. We might need to ask him to help us, to forgive. But firstly, I just think it would be good to have the opportunity, if anybody has never prayed that prayer before, just saying, please come into my life. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Um, Sorry, first of all, sorry for what I've done. Thank you for dying on the cross. Please come into my life. Then I'm just going to give people an opportunity to do that now. So this is what we will say. So you can have a look at that. But if everyone could just put their heads down, I'm going to read parts of this. And then you can, if you want to say this prayer for the first time, give your life to Jesus, become a Christian, then just repeat this prayer in your heart. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for the wrong that I have done. Thank you for dying on the cross and taking my punishment. Please come into my life and fill me with your presence. Amen. Now please just keep your heads down, but raise your hand if you prayed that prayer for the first time. We can talk to you afterwards. And for those of us who are already Christians, but maybe we just know, maybe there's just a few things that have come into our hearts and minds now just of unconfessed sin that we just want to put right before God. And I know one thing I was thinking of is just how we can sometimes put ourselves before God, and that's wrong. You know, that is creating an idol in our lives. It could be other things around us. It could be ourselves and our own desires. But, you know, God wants to be our number one, and that is really important. So there might be things that you just want to pray for. And we're just going to have this slide. It's just to help you. It says, I'm sorry for the wrong that I've done. I confess doing or saying, and say whatever that is. Thank you for your forgiveness and love towards me. Please help me to live for you and turn away from that sin. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to leave that up. We're going to have some communion as well at the same time and some more worship. And this is your time to do business with God. Yeah, get before him. If you want to kneel, lie down, stand up, sit down, find somebody else to pray with you, come to the front if you want someone to come over and pray with you as well, that's absolutely fine. Um, 
this is our opportunity now to put things right before the Lord, either in repentance or for praying for forgiveness for others. The communion, the elements of communion, the, the bread and the, the juice are out in the welcome area. There's a bit more space out there. So you can either get it just for yourself as a very personal thing, or you can get it for a couple of people around you and you can take communion together. There'll be some, some music, there'll be some songs, there'll be some time for you to pray um, for either your own forgiveness or the forgiveness of others. I'm going to take these sheets that have the, the prompts and the example prayer that you can use. You don't have to pray this prayer. There's nothing magical about these words, but rather, if you're struggling, then these can help guide you to pray for the forgiveness of others who have wronged you. Remember, you're in the right when you're forgiving other people. And this should be a, a time of celebration. This is for you. This is, this is to release you um, and releasing God's forgiveness in your life as well. It says also in the Bible that if you come to the altar with your sacrifice and you have something against someone else, you should leave it there and go and sort that out first. You might like to, you know, to pray for forgiveness of others before you, uh, you go for um, the bread and the juice uh, this morning as well. Okay, I just want to pray. Father God, I thank you for what we've heard this morning. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit amongst us here. I thank you that you desire intimate relationship with us on a personal level. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be motivated to remove those blockages of sin and unforgiveness that get between me and you. Help me in that process, I pray. Help me to find release. Help me to live in the freedom that you promise. Help me to experience an, uh, an easy yoke and a light burden. And uh, Father, I pray that um, this would bring about real and lasting change in our lives this morning. That we would begin a process here that has a dramatic and profound effect on us and our lives and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.